everybody. Hello. Jeff Hallett here. Dave Kleinschmidt. We are the two half squads. Guess where we are? We are at the ASL Open Chicago. Very good guess. You win the prize. Oak Brook or something, Illinois. You win the prize. Prize is a delicious blueberry fig bar. Yeah. We're eating fig bars for free. Free fig bars. <laughs> you cannot beat this, folks. Yeah, if you thought coming to the ASL Open was not a value, look at that. Think again, because there are free fig bars. Stone ground whole wheat blueberry fig bar from Nature's yeah. Bakery. Yeah. Energy for life's great journeys. Very appropriate. Yes. To an ASL tournament. Yes, it is. <laughs> life's great journeys right here. Yes. Although when we were packing up this morning, Jeff... In the beautiful sun, first sunny, warm day yeah. of the year, yes. we suddenly thought of riding our bikes around and playing tennis. Yes, yep. instead of coming here, because uh, tomorrow's going to be rainy, and it's like we haven't been outside in months. And here it is, the first beautiful day, and we're inside with a bunch of guys. I, I will say they don't smell, though. They don't? No. no. The odor's not, it's good. Pretty good odor yeah, control pretty here. pretty good odor, and everybody's wearing, pretty much everybody's wearing pants. Yes. The crowd is, there's a few young people. Yeah. Guy we interviewed before from Wisconsin. Um, but we are an aging crowd. Except for you and me. Now, correct. how many how many guys would you say are here? 53. You are correct. Oh, you asked. Dave told you. Does that include us? I knew. Does that include you and me? I, it includes me. I pre-registered. Okay. So 54 including me but, because I didn't pre-register, but yeah. I, I came in. <clears throat> Dave let me register late. Um, there was a $100 fine for late registration, <laughs> but you know, for pro late processing fee. But I was happy to pay it. Of course you were. Yeah. So a very good crowd here. It's about. Now, now there's uh, also two guys who are just up from a local city that are playing pickup game, kind of, right? The well, miniatures guys that are yeah. trying to get into ASL. Well, they're here. They heard about the tournament. They've been wanting to play ASL, and they thought, let's go to the tournament. We don't have to play in the tournament. Just come and set up some ASL and play. And we've said before, that's a great idea. If you don't want to play in a tournament, if it seems too much ASL for you or if you're intimidated or whatever, still great to go to a tournament and set up a table and just play, and then you can talk to other players and get all kinds and of tips and whatnot. The great thing about this one is Dave runs a mini on Saturday, so you could play the three games, morning, noon, and night, and you're done. Yes. And that is a, I like that option. Yeah, the mini tournament. Does you, we didn't sign up for that. Well, as I recall, this tournament used to run, it was one of the shorter ones, I think it was five games when I first did it. Like a Friday, maybe three on Saturday, yeah, and one on Sunday, and that yeah. was it. So, is it up to seven again now? Oh, I thought it was six. I thought it was two, six three, game? and two. Yeah, right. two, right. so you have to add that one on Friday. Yeah. So you got to take a day off work. Yes. Yeah, that's... And when you get to our age, <laughs> it gets easier since we're, we're almost retired. Oh, 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 someday. I don't know if I told you this, but uh, as an aside... Not that anybody cares, but a very good friend of mine. I went to high school. We've stayed in touch all these years, and we're good friends. I see him pretty often. He retired. He's no longer working. And? He, call, he calls himself semi-retired, and I'm not sure why, because he doesn't work at all. <laughs> but Does he's he retiring. Count? He plays golf and goes mm -hmm. to Florida. Maybe he counts mowing the lawn as part of the work. Could be. Or just putting up with me, because I'm still working. <laughs> that can be work. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, it's folks. Very it's a little depressing. But I'm glad to be here and 
amidst our friends. And what are you looking for? Uh, Laura this morning said, are you excited to go? And I said, eh. And she said, what? I thought you really liked this. Well, yeah, but I don't know. Been done there, been there before. Yeah. Excited? I don't know. I mean, I don't get excited a whole lot, but right. I got to admit, it started to hit me now that we're here. Yes. After talking to Dave Ramirez and um, meeting a Southern Cal guy, was it John? Yes. Someone? Uh, somebody on Simon Ramirez. And uh, just talk- talking, laughing, yeah. and getting free fig bars, <laughs> my That's cup really. full of soda, <laughs> setting up a Hell's Corner game to play not- with Jeff. Yeah. Uh, making Jeff set up all the technology while I get to set up the ASL game. I thought that was a good trade-off. I would yeah. gladly do that again. So yeah. I got. I am a little excited now. Yeah. So what good. are you looking forward to most today, Jeff? Well, I think uh, actually playing this scenario, I always enjoy when we play. It's fun. And playing here, just with all the excitement going on, the tinkling of the dice in the background, and every once in a while you'll hear somebody yelling at their opponent in a friendly way and brandishing a knife in a friendly way. <laughs> And threatening to you know, yeah. beat oh, somebody. Oh, they're winning a table. Way. Oh, that guy just knocked the whole table yeah. over. <laughs> in and, a friendly way. <laughs> oh, but that took out the other the other pair of guys that were playing at the same table's game, too. Yeah. Now there's oh, four oh, of them in a oh, brawl. Oh, oh, there goes Dave Goldman. He's going over now to break it up. Yeah. He's adjudicating. <laughs> Unfortunately, he knows some judo. He hates to have to. <laughs> he hates to have to adjudicate the games yeah, like that. He's, car- he's carrying his oh, hockey okay. stick with they're, him. Now they're calm. They're oh, they're oh, good. They're trying to reassemble the games. Look at them. Yeah. yeah. Uh oh. Oh yeah. wait, now they're disagreeing about where yeah. that counter was. <laughs> oh, oh no! There goes the table again. This is this is horrible. I always get confused. Is that a half Nelson uh, there that he's got him in, or is that the Russian pretzel hold? <laughs> I think it's the Russian pretzel. That is a player from Russia. That's, that's Ivan. Yeah. Ivan Borislav. <laughs> yeah, he's terrible. Well, I hope that hopefully they'll work all that out uh, without without too much more people being injured. Oh, and there's... there's uh, you know, I was wondering why the ambulance was parked out front. Yeah. Just <laughs> well, they do need it at the open. It's just for emergencies. Yeah. I noticed Ed's opponent's getting up to go to the restroom. Maybe he'll uh, come over for an interview. Hey. He might. Did you, is Ed... Is he looking under all the concealment counters <laughs> right now? He is, Ed. Well, your oh. secret is safe with us, Ed, and I'm sure nobody will. Oh, look. Now, what's he taking out of the counter tray and putting on the board? I think he's switching counters out. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> I only have one thing to say. It's no brilliant. wonder Ed wins all the tournaments. Yeah. Well, Bob Bendis is here. Larry, uh, everybody's here. They're all here. Everybody, everybody who's like Anybody. Brett Hildebrandt. And Jeff, Dave Ramirez. What was the first view we saw when we walked down the hallway? Yeah, we, the door was open. We knew we were here because there, the, the first thing was Mike Stubitz with his head in his hands, <laughs> yeah, the traditional <laughs> gaming pose. Yes, <laughs> it was sweat dripping off of his nose, and it's exactly where we left him yeah. a yeah. year ago. Yes, exactly. <laughs> in that exact place and position. Yeah, and it's always funny because I will go over and say, hey, Mike, how you doing? He goes, oh, I'm doing great. You think, yeah, you don't look great. You call this great? <laughs> Are you excited to be here? <laughs> this is your excitement, huh? Yeah, we've got a lot of the movers and shakers. Uh, and when we got here, the lock guy, actually, there were no oh. tables left. There were, yeah, yeah. There were no tables. They always forget to try and set us up a table, yeah. which I understand you're running an ASL tournament. you got yes. enough to worry about. You do. Then a couple of Yahoos coming over, demanding space to record. Yeah, and 
But Dave, Dave Goldman did find us a table. It was uh, it's about <laughs> two foot in diameter, <laughs> round, round table. table. They told them they that's all they could come up with because yeah. all the tables were used. Yeah. And so we took the water off the six foot long, skinny two foot wide table. Yeah. And moved the water to the round table, which actually it does look much more uh, aesthetic. Yes. Because the the water cooler's round, the cups are round, and yes. all just goes together better being round. Our wives would be and, very happy with that arrangement. Um, so then I went up to get ice, Yeah, and I saw the rooms upstairs that were full of tables when they told Dave they no. couldn't come up with a table for us. So maybe we should run back up there and that hotel staff steal another two-foot-wide table and make it a four-foot table. I'm going down five-star rating down to a four-star rating. Yeah. Telling us they can't come up with a table. Yeah, it's more like I'm too tired to bring down the table. I don't know what kind of accent that was, but I didn't want to identify with any particular ethnic mm. group, so I made that. Well, just it sounded a little Indian to me, which reminds me that the what's the other convention going on? Well, the, every the, year we're here, there's uh, a group of Hindus with a collection well, of Indians. Saris. We don't know that they're Hindu. Well, Hindus. It's a religion, not a <laughs> race. Yes, well, that's true. Unless they wear those kind of garb, then I don't know that. But it, the, yeah. the beautiful, beautiful We don't know that they're Indians either. Yes, they're right? sorry. Anyway, the point is, yes. Yeah, and so we get the ugly room of old men, and <laughs> they get the beautiful room full of saris. Yeah, beautiful saris. I think you'd look good in a sari. I would actually would like to wear one. Yeah. Speaking of kilts, <laughs> I don't that was a smooth well, transition. Well, where are you thinking of going for lunch today, well, I'm Jeff? thinking of the, well, because I know my wife listens to this podcast, I'm thinking of going to Subway. Subway. Yeah. Subway will work now, well. Now, your wife does not listen to this podcast, so where are you thinking of going? Uh, better still go to Subway. <laughs> Which, for some reason, is right next door to the, the Tilted, tilted Kilt. kilt. Yeah. Not that we noticed. But usually the guys eat at the actually the restaurant right here. Yeah. They're in a hurry. It's hard to coordinate a lunch dates with all our friends that they open because their games go too long. And yeah. So you tell one guy, let's do lunch, and then he's still playing. The other guy's got to set up a game in half an hour. He wants to run to lunch. So, but anyway, I see Rob Banizic over there. Yes, and he saw us, and now he's turned the other way. <laughs> and so did uh, the, the scenario designer in the green shirt. Pete Schelling. Pete Schelling. Yeah. Also, he, he did, he, I did wave. He waved back. And he waved on back on the, uh, as he was turning, which maybe, I thought was very graceful. He, he did. So Turning away uh, from us. Maybe we should just calm on over. But really, they're way, why are they taking breaks in the middle of their games? Or are they done already? Uh, they might be done. They, and might, they might be. be oh, here comes here Dave comes someone. He's here not comes turning someone. his back he, on us. He's not going away from us. He's actually coming over. He looks like he'll be friendly. And he's the tournament director. So have a seat, Dave. Give oh, us five minutes. I'm leaving, I'm leaving you guys in charge. Oh. So if there are uh -oh. any rules questions, they're going to come over and ask you, and you can broadcast you know, uh, How? to the world, yes. our, all our friends overseas, and all the ships uh, that have sunk and all that sort of stuff. You know, while you're out, we're going to go around and take that uh, the extra donation that you were demanding of everybody. We'll take care of that for you. Okay, but remember, I still get my cut. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So where are you going? Just out Just to take your walk because 
We have uh, 53 people who have uh -huh. played a game. One left this morning because we knew that. We had a shot. Uh, and uh, it was a very nice ceremony, I might add. Uh, you know, he refused both the cigarette and the blindfold. Oh, wow. Um, very his, brave. His ASL playing was just so weak and everything that he did not deserve to go on in this existence. And he asked for a higher claim. But he did ask for a donut. <laughs> Which we did give him, and we let him finish it, and then we executed. And then you executed it. <laughs> All right, get some exercise. Well, at least he'll be back to run the tournament. Was that on? We assume so. Yes, it was. Yeah. Well, it's uh, a great day to be here. Now we, we've been here. It's our, it's eleven thirty. This is usually what happens. Already, holy yeah. cow. We get here, and already it's 11.30. We haven't started our game yet, but we're going to play. What are we playing today, Dave? Uh, we are playing Hell's Corner. Uh, this will be scenarios the Sand Spit HC35. Three, five, three, five, five. Five. I, I will take the Marines defending the Manatikau River, very famous Guadalcanal stuff. Yes. Uh, now, we've played this exact... Uh, portion of this board before. I think it was actually down here with the one log bridge. Well, I thought, I don't you remember me running my Marines across that tiny little bit of oh, sand? Oh, on the sand. Yeah, yeah, you are right. But yeah. this is a different battle from that. Apparently. Correct. This would be, a, a, in fact, this raged for a month, apparently, because Jeff said, ah, back and forth. Yeah. I looked the last two we have, they're night games. Oh, yes. This and is a night game. I almost didn't bring them. I almost switched us up to into the rubble. Um, but thought, well, let's just finish these off. Night, yeah. we can probably handle it. And they both take place at this same location. Just this. Is a, both are Japanese attacks. Okay. And one was like a, one was the eighth of the month, and one was like the twenty-third of the month. Ah. So they're battling over this ground for a long time. Yeah. Apparently. What well, should be a good, good scenario? Yeah, we had fun. one up in the huts up in the north, a yes. little bit or west, whatever that is, and. One over in the jungle crossing an area. Is this the one with that hill when you try to come across? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, all in, we've played about five of these, I think, so far. Three. We, three we, of five. Oh, three of Three okay. of five. So we got two left. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah, and so we'll be here all day doing this and uh, grabbing we'll, some we'll, interviews. We'll stay as long as the raffle, uh, for the raffle. There's a great yeah, yeah, raffle table here. You can buy raffle tickets for a buck. They've got some great giveaways this year, like a pile of good stuff. They do. Great a lot guy. of eight action pack nines. I have to find Alex Key, too, today. He said he, he was he here. He brought some products I'm going to grab from him, and we'll do some into the, in the what's in the box maybe. But it might be Would you recognize? Do you recognize him? I should when I see him, but I don't see him yet. Well, back in uh, 98, 99. Oh, yeah, I was teaching there then. Yeah. You were you were there for 18 months? Yeah. In prison? In, in <laughs> Vernon Hills. There's no prison the in Vernon, Vernon Hills. Hills Penitentiary? Are you doing yeah. a check, Jeff, or are you going to go with Oh, that? no, we're actually on the air. All right, now. we're on the okay. air with <laughs> Paul Sidhu. Is that how we pronounce it? Yes. Whose name I have seen published in lots of places and saw his name tag and went... We got to talk to this guy. So, yeah. oh, that's nice. And here we are. And Paul, where, where do we know you from? Probably. Uh, well, I, I usually go to Oktoberfest, and uh, and I've been to a bunch of tournaments. I 
I helped out with the Tarawa Players Guide. And, oh yeah, and, uh, sweet. So did a few different things, but so. Uh, yeah. Rich Spilkey, who's a local player, and I are talking about getting together with two other guys and playing Tarawa. Oh, yeah. It's a fantastic over the summer, And then yeah. we're thinking about maybe then going to Aslock and finding two other players to play us at Aslock. Oh, that would be great. So we're very excited about that. So yeah. I will tell Rich that we know you, and we'll, we may be calling you. Very good. Yeah, it's, it's a great experience yeah. because it looks the, so uh, the Marine Force is incredibly powerful. And uh, pretty much everyone in the in the first wave gets killed in the first few turns. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's pretty amazing to see. But they keep coming. There's plenty yeah. of marine counters. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yes, did you develop the Tarawa game also? Or no, no. Did but play but, but, but we played a campaign, and there's so many rules to cross-reference and to check and to learn the terrain, all the modifiers that yeah. that uh, we ended up making our own cheat sheets. And then we yeah. said, oh, well, what about strategy? What about uh, the bombardment itself was very complex, the setup, choosing which things to set up and how yeah. to set up. So we said, well, why don't we, we got six or eight guys together, and we just divided up different aspects of the, of the game and got people to write up some articles and, and do some examples. And, and there was already one, one uh, terrain chart but, but we kept it, it needed some updating, yeah. so yeah. so uh, we we made it a lot easier. Where you just need the chart and not have to look, spend hours and hours looking all the rules up. Now, when you played, did you play it? Because I know there is uh, an add-on piece that adds the tail end of the island, yeah, with a little bit of extra rules to cover that part of the action. But did you did you play I, it? I didn't. Or have you looked no, at that at all? no. I I saw it, but I didn't. Uh, yeah. never used it. So we're talking about whether or not we should include that, or if it, yeah. if it's going to make any significant difference. Yeah. Well, the the uh, you know the big the big deal is the first couple uh, assaults. Yeah. So so that you know it's very intense. Once the once the Marines come on shore and they have a good sized beachhead, it's a very different game. Yes. Start to and, be mopping up actions, and they yeah, can jump so. into that close combat. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. If I remember correctly, I have played all the scenarios to Tarawa yeah. um, before your uh, Gamer's Guide came out, sadly. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, oh, now they put out a yeah. Tarawa Gamer's yeah. Guide. I've already done them all, but I did buy it anyway. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a nice reference. Um, yeah, the uh, the Marines have so much firepower that once they get on board and established, you know, they grind their way forward. Yeah, getting so. over the coconut log wall is a bit yeah. of a challenge. Yeah. But yeah. And I don't know if you know, I don't know if you listen to our show, but uh, episode uh, 110, a few episodes ago, we had Steve Deathlifson on okay. for two, two episodes uh-huh. and had a very nice conversation with him and talked about the development of Tarawa yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So. It was really good, and it's, it's something that's kind of been close to my heart for a while. I yeah. actually played the first turn or so not long after I started playing ASL. Guy uh-huh. I was playing with said, uh-huh. oh, this would be so cool. Let's yeah. set it up. And so, yeah, I, was, I played Scott Holst here in uh, oh, Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, in, no uh, not, not the full one, but I think one or two, the, camp, the oh, campaign okay. game one or two, yeah. the smaller size version. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And Scott's always a trip. So Scott's a trip. Yes, yes. we also interviewed him. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and had a nice picture of him yes. bug-eyed on, uh, somewhere on our <laughs> I'm our surprised he doesn't site. come to the ASL Open, actually. I yeah, don't know where, why he's not where is here. he? He's never here. The first time we ever met him was at Aslock. So uh, we haven't seen him since then. So how are you doing here at this? Uh, two wins, one loss. So had, having fun, enjoying it, and playing you, good players. Did you prepare? Did you try to play a lot of the scenarios before you got I played, here? I played, uh, I'd say, about half of the ones that are, you know, you, have, you pick three possible ones each right. round. Yeah. So I've played my first choice in all the rounds and a few more just in between uh, Oktoberfest and Albany, there are a couple that were in common. With yeah. Those, so. And uh, did you? Were you surprised by anything that, by any of your play, like uh, you really thought it was going to go one way and it went a different way? Or uh, no, the 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 ones I played were all I think very well balanced scenarios yeah. and and uh, yeah, they're, they're they're all good. I'm having a lot of fun. Good. I did have I did have. Uh, uh, something unusual in the in the requiem for a dreadnought scenario. The Russians have a T-35 and a KV, and oh. I, I ended up getting infantry next to them. But the the squads did failed their patsies, patsies. so I sent the leaders in just to tie up the tanks, and they survived uh, three or four wound checks between the two of them, and uh, held the tanks. Sweet. In melee, for, Sweet. tanks are not held in well, melee. I'm sorry, they restricted the tanks' fire. Oh, yeah, so, you did so, a freeze move on the tank exactly. with your leaders. Yeah, so wow. the one leader rolled a 12 to wound himself. It survived. Then the tank <laughs> wounded him, and he passed his wound check. And then in prep fire, he wounded him again and survived. Got a K-slash and survived. So uh, wow. spent, spent a long time sitting in there tying up the KV. Yeah. Never have thought of that one. Yeah, I have not thought of that tactic. You better write that down. Who that leader was? Write write his right. name down. Right. Yeah. Right, because they can keep getting wounded and wounded over and over again. Right. Right. I, I always thought that was a little odd in the game. Like, well, yeah. surely there's a plus two for two wound checks yeah. and plus three on the next one and four. And no. No. Yeah, some of them are very tough. Apparently. Yeah. So what do you got coming up? You got what's your next scenario? Do you have you picked it? Uh, well, I haven't. Don't know. Haven't been matched up yet. Oh, okay. it's coming but, uh, up here at two yeah. o'clock. But I like now. I like the uh, Go Devils scenario, as uh, M thirty six ninety L American tank destroyers up against Jag Panzer fives. So yeah, it's it's a small one, but tank heavy. So are there uh, are there when you come to this tournament and other tournaments, are there certain players that you want to be matched up against that you would love to play? That... Yeah, well, I you know. The fun thing is to just play the best people you can can find. So yeah. the nice thing is there's folks here in the Midwest, Bob Bendis and yeah. and Wes Vaughn and Doug and a bunch of folks that you know don't necessarily come to Albany or some of the East Coast tournaments. So it's nice to see them out here. Yeah. yeah. And you now live in the East Coast, so you yeah, New the Jersey Albany tournament is at Trezla yes. doing that one. Yeah. So Gary and Steve Pleva and He's... Joe Liosi, the three of them usually organize it. Gary's very frightening. Yeah, I'm no, he's, he's mellowed. He's mellowed. <laughs> and then you also play tested a bunch of stuff, is that right? Or uh, Just off and on. So, What kind of projects were you involved with? Uh, I do some just MMP scenarios, some dispatches from the bunker ones. Um, I did uh, for Riley's Road I did a oh, bunch yeah. of I did a, I play tested a bunch of the scenarios there, so so uh, you know just as time permits. Yeah, now, I don't recall seeing your name on a counter. 
Do you have? Oh, I do. I, I have do. a I have a red named uh, nine two. Sidhu, German. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Is Sidhu a German name? No, it's India. My father's from India. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yeah. Wow, interesting. Yeah. But it's still nice to have a counter. Yeah, that's super. Yeah. You're immortal. I have yeah. two, both Klein and Schmidt. Yeah. Yes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> one. Yeah. At least that's what they've told me. No way. Oh, no. Oh, no, you have to play Jeff DeVries. No, DeYoung. Jeff did it last time. It wasn't me last time. And yeah. that's the name of And that's the crazy one. You're, 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 not, you're not the crazy one. No. Yeah. yeah. So we, I guess we can let you go then. All right. It's been well, great, great it's, talking to you. Yeah, thanks for, for uh, putting out some nice information about ASL. We try to keep it a pro, uh, accurate. And thank you for being a loyal listener. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, thank you, Paul. Take care. Good luck. All right. Good luck today. Bye-bye. We got to rock an ASL on what you've been doing. There we go. So now we're talking with Doug. How's your last name pronounced? Rubidoo? Rubidoo. Rubidoo. Kind of like Scooby-Doo, but with an R. Rubidoo. I like it. All right. (laughs) Rubidoo. Rubidoo. A little French, is that? It's French Indian. Okay. Uh, My family came over a long time ago into Canada. Then we married into the Iowa Sioux and never left. So we're actually considered uh, full-blooded Indian a few generations back. Oh, Ah, very fascinating. And it allows us not to claim the French part. (laughs) (laughs) Which can be a good thing, I guess. Yeah, so, and you are from where? Um, I'm from down in the Oshkosh area, so Winnet County, Wisconsin is where I'm at, which is right outside of Oshkosh. And do you have a regular group that you play We do not. I play with Chris Edwards, who helped design those cards uh, quite regularly. Which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. There's not very many people around. So, gamers in general, or just uh, no ASL? You can't find Just no ASL. Yeah. What other kind of gaming goes on around I think there's a fairly large uh, Magic the Gathering group. I think a fair amount of people play Dungeons & Dragons down there. Yeah. Uh, There's a couple good comic stores and game stores. They don't have ASL, but they have all the other stuff. Yeah. So... So it's up to you. Yes. It's, it's up to it. you to grow yes. the, the yeah. group up there. Right? Rent, rent a space, and even if you're the only one there, you know, eventually somebody <laughs> Sit there will come. Myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone will come. There's a, there's a lot of empty spaces in shopping malls lately. You could set up there, <laughs> like where all the games workshop places are, yeah. are disappearing from. So uh, how often do you play? Do you play a uh, at least once a week. Yeah. Um, oh, me and Chris uh, Edwards play a campaign game usually once a week. Right now we're playing Battle of the Guards. Oh, nice. Um, and last year we played um, Pegasus Bridge. Yeah, yeah good. So yeah. we are. Oh, Pegasus Bridge. No, we're doing the God Save the King and uh, which is Arnhem Bridge. Arnhem. Yeah. The biggest Arnhem scenario, yeah. but not a campaign game. Right. Right. So you and Chris have. We may as well plug it because you have something to sell. You've well, got yeah. these. You've got these AFV cards, which are a little bit harken back to the uh, historical ASL uh, AFV cards Old that black came and out white with some cards. of the early. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, I, but, so tell us about that. Well, we started. The idea kind of came from when I, I've only been playing for about three years, and um, so I started making myself little note cards about what the AFVs could do and what yeah. ordnance could do to kind of help me remember. And then I actually bought a set of cards from you guys on eBay, the AFV cards that were done by um, Clockworks or something like that. The little oh. AFV cards. can't remember the actual name. Yeah. 
Yeah. Countersmith cards. Countersmith, yeah. Countersmith. Countersmith. Um, and we liked those. We played those for a while. And then Chris started doing a database uh, to enter some things to make a little bit different kinds of things. And then we kind of shot them back and forth, decided what would be useful, what the layout should be, um, what information should be included, and how we could deliver them easily, and then update and change them, too. Um, so after quite a bit of data entry on Chris's part, uh, we started playing with them a little bit and found they were pretty helpful, Yeah. especially if you've got, um, like some of the American AFEs have so many different things on them. It kind of, it's a visual reminder, right, this one gets two, two to hit numbers or two to kill numbers. To kill rolls, yeah. Right, this one's Back got smoke, this one's got white phosphorus, right. you know. And for the ordinances, it has listed this can set up in a building, this one can't set up in a building, and all those types of things. Right. So it's pretty helpful, you know, range-wise, too. Yeah, I forget yeah. some can't set up in buildings. Some guns can't. I think some of the AAs can't. Yeah, I'll bet they can too. Yeah. Right. Um, and there's a size restriction on the upper levels. All kinds right. of things. Right. Some of them have to be fortified up. Yes. Yeah. And I would never know that. But, no. You know, you got, you got it, a yeah. card. It's real easy to to check it. Yeah. Well, you've got the counters, you know, and you can look at that. But then you got to go to that list with the. You got to go to the list. You got to check notes. the asterisk, the special notes, right. and the, this and that. That can be really right. So, yeah, so you're selling these. So, so then what? You continued on with this, and you got a way to print these out. Well, you can do it a couple of ways. Um, I've printed out a whole set before. I know Chris has printed out a whole set, and it's, and it's a lot because it's every AFV and ordinance in the system so far. Wow. So like 700-some-odd. Yeah, it's a, it's a ton. Yeah. Um, the thing we did for this tournament is we made um, PDFs for each of the scenarios. Yeah, so right each is. scenario has only you know a PDF that has each type of vehicle ordinance. So you can just use it on your iPad and you can expand it or contract it, which really makes it nice to yeah. to use. And then you can I also print it off just a set for the tournament too. Um, the nice thing about not printing them all off at the same time is this, as updates are done, you can just integrate them to your system without having to change everything. So I'm kind of leaning towards a as you need it printed. Yeah. Um, because one thing that we're doing is when we sell it, everyone gets maintained on an email list. And as changes come or corrections need to be made, we can then just email you the corrections. There's no waiting for, you know, a massive update or a route. And then you can just, you know, resave over what you already have. So yes. you always have the most up-to-date thing, um, which I think is kind of nice. Yeah, it's very yeah. nice. Yeah, and I used them uh, last time I played uh, Rich, our buddy Rich. I printed out the ones I needed for him and for me so that I, so I knew what I was up against. And mm-hmm. it was great having them. Yeah, yeah, I like them. They're handy. Yeah. They're easy to use. You slide yeah. them right under the board so they're not too big so that they're in the way. So you distribute them as PDF, and you get two per page if you wanted to print them out. Yep, if you want to print them out, they're two on a page. And uh, you know, easy to read, and they're mm-hmm. in color and all that stuff. Yep. And, yeah, really great. Yeah. Uh, what's the website where they can where people can find these? If you do a Google search for AFL, ASL cards, okay. you'll find it. Okay. Um, and then you can email me or Chris, and we can give you the email addresses yeah. if you want to post. Yeah, we'll, put a, we'll put a link again in the show and notes. Yeah, we, we did already. But we can do it yeah, again in this episode, yeah. I think. Yeah. And $20 gets you everything, right? $20 is everything forever. And you're, you're including, uh, just recently, you did the Chinese... Yes, Chris just did the Chinese, and I think he added all the Axis miners and the Allied miners yeah. as well. Yeah. And then as things come out, we'll update those too and add those into the system as well. Once you have the big database constructed, making changes then becomes fairly easy. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah great. And uh, have you gotten good response from people on this? Yeah. It's gone well. Are you going to retire on this? No. <laughs> Was there ever a thought like, did one of you ever say, wow, we could really make some money on this? Yeah, we almost quit the next day, <laughs> yeah. but uh, we decided not to. No, but the response has been well. I think we've had 
uh, a little over 60 or so downloads in a couple of weeks. Um, and I think as they get a little bit more play tests and people become aware of them, I think that it'll kind of start to you know, grow. continue. Right. Yeah, but it'll still average out to be about at 50 cents an hour probably from oh, the sure. time you put into the game. <laughs> sure. It'll help pay for the website, you know, know and, and stuff it, like we, that. We just all love doing this stuff. Right. So yeah. luckily I found Jeff to do this podcast, and he's entertaining enough that it keeps me going episode after episode. Right. There's always new games. We can't even keep up. Yeah. We, we cannot keep up. Yeah. Uh, literally, you can do... I'm doing all the old annuals. I had two ready last show. He shows up with uh, Action Pack 9. Oh, we're going to do this for the What's in the Box. All right, I'll shelve my annuals. And I just picked up Elst and something else, the right. uh, yeah. W.O. Pack and your stuff. And, that, you know, and it's crazy. It, I stacked up my scenarios the other day. And just after playing for three years, it's more scenarios than I'll ever get through. Yeah. But yeah. am I going to buy the next thing that comes out? Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's what and keeps us going. Now, yeah. do you And do you randomly pick scenarios from all the different things you have? Or do you have a method? That you play through no method. Okay, it's kind of random. Oh, I'm, Dave, I'm the only poor guy. Dave, that really rubs him the wrong way. I must be the only guy. You. <laughs> no, no. But I, but I he like. Plays in order. Like, okay, yeah. so Hell's Corner. Five yeah. scenarios yeah. came out in this magazine from yeah. MMP. Going to play them all uh, within a span of time. Now I do break it up to go play our big game. Right. Then I played a uh, into the rubble with another guy, and then Jeff and I are trying to chop out these last two so I can yeah. say I've played all the Hell's Corner scenarios. Then I'll get into the rubble next. I'll probably rope you into a couple of those. Yeah. Someone else into a couple yeah. of those. Then I can say I played all played the into the rubbles. And even if there's stuff like night, and that makes me play all the rules. If yes. it's night, right. if it's got pair drops, okay, i got to look this up and read it because I, I, I'm going to play. So I've played a lot of everything. Um, but still haven't got back to Armies of Oblivion. or I mean, there's I just kind of end up skipping because new stuff keeps coming. Right. We'll kind of target sometimes, since I'm still fairly new. Like, we've picked it. All right, let's play three or four night scenarios so we can learn the night rules. Or let's, roll, try, yeah. let's try some um, AFEs. Uh, give me some half-tracks because they're a little strange. So let's yes. make sure we play yeah. a couple of games right. half-tracks. So we, yeah, we, we did do that. target that way, but as far as, like, specific scenarios, not really. Yeah. 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 And what other gaming have you done before you did ASL? What were you doing? Uh, when I was little, little. 12, 14, 15, 16, I played a little D&D. Oh, there we go again. Wow, there's a lot of us that have. Yeah, I think, yeah. For going from a fantasy role play to such a industri- not industrial, tech, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, engineering type game. Yeah, really. It was, it was weird. I had never even heard of this game. And me and Chris, we both work at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. We were on a committee together. And I walked into a meeting a little early that we were on, and he had this rule book out. <laughs> and I sat down next to him. I said, what's that? And he kind of shoved it over to me, and I started thumbing through it. And I obviously didn't know what it meant. It looked very complicated, so I said, you must teach me this thing that I do not know what it means. <laughs> and that's how it started. Yeah. So lots of money later and countless hours yeah. later. And, and, and it is great to have someone who can teach you oh, yeah. with it, because the, the guy taught me. I would never have made it on my own. Right. There is uh, there is something about that that um, always attracts me is I'm always attracted to the stuff that's really complicated. Somebody went to all the trouble of putting all of this together, which means it can be comprehended. And then it, it's amazing to me that they've done that, and that's what draws me in. That's what drew me into gaming in the first place was that. Well, it's not really a game. Like, it's kind of a lifestyle. Yeah, it, it does get you to know, be that way, yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. Part of the life is arranged around that. My friendships are church and then not work too much. I mean, I love the guys at work, 
but there's no social outside. Right. I don't have time, and then I have Jeff with the podcast, and then uh, gaming. And there's different gaming groups for my miniatures, and some of them overlap with ASL, and then for the role-playing still, a few of them overlap, you know. Um, but And it also keeps me in contact with all these people I may not see otherwise. Except yeah. I'm scheduling a big miniatures game, so I contact 16 guys and eight show up about each time, you know, and we see each other twice a year maybe because of that. Yeah. So it's, it's good for relationships, too. It is. It is good. Very much so. So, well, how are you liking your first ASL tournament? This is my third. Ah. Oh, my gosh. I came after one year of playing. I came here right after I started I played for a year and then came. I think I lost everyone. Okay. The first year, I yeah. came last year, and I think I won two. Uh, okay. And then this year, I have won one so far. And the other two games were good games, and they were fun, and that's all I really care about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you're having a good time, you're playing nice opponents, then, then it's a win even yeah, if you lose. You've got it. So, you've got to have that attitude, yeah. absolutely. Especially. I really enjoy this weekend. I used to coach debate, and I would travel all over the country every weekend to all kinds of hotels. And I don't. Do, I retired from doing that. So this is kind of my... Uh, I get to get away and go to a hotel again and have a tournament atmosphere. So it's yeah. really kind of a nice replacement. It's critical thinking. You engage your brain. So it's a nice kind of transition out of out of that world. Yeah. And there's only a few real, you know, really first-class A1 jerks here. And, Dave, you know. I would be one of them. Their names are, of course, me. You, I'll let you. Me. Yeah. And then that Ed guy that tipped the table over earlier. Did you remember that? You saw that. Horrible. Got violent. You don't no. want to play with him. I hope no. you're not playing him, Doug. It is amazing how nice the people are. Isn't it? Yeah. I've played lots of good players over the last few years, and there hasn't been a single one of them who wasn't willing to take the time and show me how to play, yeah. offer tips, and just be nice. Yeah. Very welcoming community. And, well, they and talk about you after you're gone. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that dog. Oh, my God. There he goes. <laughs> Thank God that's over. And there's... Often, often a hospitality that's extended um, to even guys go to another town, they contact each other and say, I'm going to be in New York, and they'll say, I'll oh, stay at my house, yeah. we'll get a game in, then go to your work thing, and then, you know, end of the week we'll get another game in. Or I mean, it, And some have gone overseas and mm. stayed at each other's homes. It's like what? being in the Freemasons without the handshake. <laughs> I met a fellow that I played that's from the same town as my wife is from. So now when we go up there and visit her, uh, the in-laws, I'll be able to play someone yeah. Yeah. when I travel. So that'll yeah. be nice, too. That's really cool. Well, it's great. Great you're here. And uh, what, do you, what do you got coming up next? Um, I forgot the name of the scenario. It's the Japanese versus the Americans. I'm going to race across a very hilly place, and it's going to be difficult. Do you have any tactical tips from the other scenarios you've played for someone that might play them in the future? Roll don't move in the open. Rally well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah, don't, stay out of the open. Don't do what I did when I lost. <laughs> do do what I did when I won my game. Yeah. Can't remember. It's all blur now. Yes. Right? yes. Yeah. <laughs> good advice. All right. Well, nice uh, talking to you. Well, thank I you. Appreciate you appreciate stopping it. by, and good luck with your next game. I appreciate it. And right. good luck with the upcoming raffle. Hope you win lots right. of goodies. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. Good to see you. And now it's time for What's in the Box, 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 Box. Hey everyone, just Dave here. I'm going to do this little What's in the Box. So I have a um, look here at Annual 93A. And take a look here by myself on this, and I'll tack it to an episode, as you know already. And 
first thing I see is an ad for Gung Ho on the inside cover. And then if we get over here to page five, and also an ad for Quad de Guerre. And there's an article on five, page five, Panzer Gegen Panzer, Tank Warfare and ASL by Bruce Bakken, or maybe Bakken, Bruce. And so we finally have the kind of article on the tactical kinds of things we were saying were lacking in a lot of the earlier annuals. And I made a few highlights in Bruce's wonderful article. And this is a great, great article. In part one, Hit to Kill, Bruce points out, and I'll quote from some of it here, the odds of a critical hit using the area target type remain the same, but a normal hit with such gives you one more chance to destroy the enemy, a chance you would not have using the vehicle target type if his armor factor is greater than your modified to kill number. Area attacks versus armor are resolved as per, per rule C 1.55. The first thing to note is that the armor factor never apply to such an attack. Instead, the neg 1 dial modifier applies to the area attack if all the enemy's armor factor are 4 or less and a plus 1. If uh, all the armor factor are 8 or more and the only other modifier which could apply to such an attack. Now granted, any positive modifiers to an area attack would make a kill all but impossible since a final KA is required. However, a K slash number or one greater than a K slash would result in the enemy's immobilization, which again might have the uh, make the crew abandon the vehicle or an automatic shock. Now keep in mind that the crew exposed enemy crew will be more vulnerable to a general collateral attack when using the area target type than with a normal high explosive equivalency using an armor piercing shot. Overall, the circumstances in which you might choose area over the vehicle target type are probably very limited, but always be aware of your options. And you know that's something I don't really do well is figure out when to use the area target type, and he's made that clear for us. Later in the article, he points out about talking about the short gun, long gun, um, modifiers and says but generally such a tank the modifier for small caliber may be offset by the L modifiers but generally such a tank will still be likely to prefer to engage the enemy at the shorter ranges notice that the modifier for a gun less than or equal to 40 millimeter is cumulative Yes, you heard it, folks. Cumulative. No, I have not played that that way. I don't, do not believe so. So that modifier on the to-kill table, and at first I thought that meant like you counted both the, neg, the two range pluses and then the one range pluses together, but no. It means if you look at C3 to hit table, you go down the gun and ammo basic hit mods, and I usually look at the short gun, the L gun, the LL gun. And maybe because I don't often use APDS APCR, you know, I don't look there often, and I never actually look at the gun size modifiers. And I, I don't know, I, I guess I just never... So all my opponents, you at 13 or more, should be some neg ones for these small caliber guns. So we need to start watching for that. And some just the smoke modifier too on the table, which I usually add that in. So anyway, oh, I'm sure everyone else is playing that right, but me. And Bruce goes on and says, "Remember that any gun may change its covered arc without firing at the end of any fire phase, 
and which is still able to fire without using intensive fire. Another rule, I just forget a lot. I know most of you do do that, actually. Then on page 7, he points out that um, you may possibly preempt his defensive first fire, your opponent's defensive first fire, by declaring a gun duel, provided you need not change your covered arc. You may then bounding first fire before he fires if your total C5 and acquisition dire modifiers are lower than his. Since case C for the bounding first firer is at least plus four, the situation in which an attacker is able to win a gun duel are probably pretty rare. If you are planning to use bounding first fire, try to approach the enemy with a view toward winning any potential gun duels. And I wrote, well, how often does this happen? I think I meant like, well, how often are you going to get a chance to win this gun duel with that uh, KC, which is like, you know, moving, motion firer, and the turret type stuff. So Now, it may occur to the reader at this point that an attacker could fire at the start of his movement phase prior to extending any movement point, thereby avoiding any possibility of defensive first fire. However, a complete reading of C5.33 will show that the defenders able to declare a gun duel against the bounding first firer that declares a shot prior to any movement point expenditure. This, by the way, is the only case in which the defender may declare a gun duel and puts a real damper on the shoot-before-moving theory of the bounding first firer espoused by some players. And I guess I haven't really heard that espoused by people. They're saying you can fire in the movement phase prior to moving. I guess I just always fire in the prep fire phase. I need to say it's espoused by some players. I'm not sure what the benefit would be. Maybe if you forgot to f prep fire, then you're moving. Yeah, go ahead and shoot before starting up. And you still can declare a gun duel. But now maybe you'll have a good chance of winning it because you're not a motion firer. And on page 7, uh, first fire, uh, uh, finally, any vehicle with a multiple rate of fire using bounding first fire must expend at least one movement point between shots, which of course allows defensive first fire each time. Also take particular note that once any vehicular weapon fires, except for a main armament retaining its rate of fire, its other weapons may fire in that phase only from that same hex. And I think that's something I may mess up a lot, or I don't play. You know, I like the easy method of ASL. Just shoot everything at the same time. Maybe I've taught myself to do that. But if it fires, if any vehicular weapon fires, except for a you know, rate of fire, its other weapons may fire in that phase only from that same hex. And it seems to me, I remember reading, reading an article in which a tank pulled up along a woods line, fired its main armament, then went to the next hex, fired its machine guns at a different hex, then moved on. But I, hopefully I never read that in an annual or journal because it seems that that sentence, once any vehicular weapon fires, its other weapons may fire in that phase only from that same hex. I'm reading that exactly out of the rule book, 3.51 in section D, of course is pretty clear. Now, unless you have a rate of fire and the previous shots were bounding first fire, so maybe I read that they moved, got a hit, and then main armament, 
with rape, then got another hit, and then overran somebody. And this little rule I often have to look up again is that a crew-exposed counter may be voluntarily placed or removed on a tank during both the movement phase and the advance phase, but it may not be both placed and removed during the same phase, not turn phase. So during the movement phase, crew-exposed button-up status may not be changed if the vehicle is already fired during the player turn. I guess because you've taken advantage of firing with out the button up penalty, you don't just suddenly crew expose for your own benefit. So think of it as, you know, crew expose moving down the road, you gotta stay crew exposed the whole way until the advance phase. And he reminds players to try and approach your opponent from outside their covered arc, forcing them to change covered arc, adding a plus penalty on them. All here on page nine. Uh, he also points out in dense or built-up areas, you should have plenty of suitable obstacles to impede enemy line of sight for taking cover with your tanks. But this may prove more difficult in relatively open areas and virtually impossible in the desert, of course. Just remember that the subcases of J only apply to defensive first-fire shots. Subcases of J he's talking about, so it's not the moving motion vehicle plus two, but it's the first fire less than or equal to three in your line of sight, and first fire versus a vehicle less than or equal to one movement point spent in your line of sight, those subcases. And over here on page nine, we get this nice little bit. Notice in A12.2 that the rules of concealment apply equally to vehicles. Now this means that a vehicle may gain concealment in the same manner as infantry. If there are no unbroken enemy units in line of sight, which means the concealment counter is automatic if the vehicle is in concealment terrain and in the and in good order. Which yeah, what does that mean? Which means that the inherent crew is neither stunned nor shocked. And if not in concealment terrain, it may make a uh, concealment growth die roll. A typical vehicle has a unit size number of four, which would require a growth die roll of one. Large or very large has a number U.S. size number of four which would make concealment impossible on open ground. And the growth, so that's probably why, well, still, always think of these things and learn to do them even if, even if they're rare. Flipping to page 10, whereas a very small target might be more prone to risk movement across the enemy line of sight, because you're small, hard to get hit. For concealed vehicle, any target size dial modifier is revealed only if it turns a hit into a, a miss into a hit or a hit into a miss. A revealed target size dial modifier which turns a hit into a miss does not itself cause that target to lose its concealment. Now I didn't know that at all. So, well, yeah. So a revealed target size dial modifier which turns a hit into a miss. So your opponent says, I hit you. Oh, no, you didn't look under my concealment. It's a, it's a small vehicle. You missed by one. Cover back up with concealment. But I don't conceal my vehicles well like I should, so that's why I don't know these things. And then, uh, therefore, a vehicle, going later in the article, uh, therefore, a vehicle in hex, like 3T3, for instance, would have its lower half shielded by the wall. So he's over here to wall advantage. Example, the line of fire to the bottom half of the vehicle is blocked by the terrain. And the part that remains visible and can have a line of fire drawn to it would be 
protected by the plus two TEM of the building it occupies. Oh, I guess he was talking about being in a building behind a wall. A formidable position indeed. Note, however, that a vehicle in such a position would automatically lose wall advantage to an adjacent enemy unit. Okay, so I, I guess I think he was saying if you got your tank in a building behind a wall, you can start to get the double advantage of wall advantage and the building advantage of the plus two for the other portion of the vehicle. Hmm. Going to page 11. The motion attempt automatically succeeds. Wait, nah, never mind. Start here. Also note that a vehicle may not make such an attempt if it is already marked a motion attempt with any sort of fire counter. And a vehicle in motion may make a motion attempt die roll in the same manner so as to freely change its vehicle cover at that time. Keep in mind that motion status may be attempted as a result of any enemy movement, not just vehicular movement. Now that I forget. That infantry coming at you, you can start to turn your vehicle to protect against Panzerfaust and Shreks and bazookas and whatever else. And your pirates. And that I for totally forget. I just think enemy tanks have to move in line of sight. False. Uh, and then he talks about, in this connection, a smoke discharger used in combination with gain motion status may prove very effective in helping you escape since there's nothing to prevent you from attempting to gain a motion status after firing a smoke dispenser. And that is what Bob did to me when I came up on his little vehicle in a ravine somewhere and I popped up over the... Uh, came into line of sight, and he managed to get a, both of those things going on me. Very frustrating. But I would kill that little vehicle, and he knew exactly how to get out of there with those rules. And we see that, uh, remember, your VCA, vehicle covered arc, can be changed at the end of any fire phase in which it's still eligible to fire its main armament. I think I mentioned that earlier, and so did he. Thus, during the advanced fire phase, you could change a vehicle covered arc to face the appropriate direction. And avoid excessive speed breakdown. Now, there you go. How's that for a tip, folks? During the advanced fire phase, you can change vehicle covered arc to face the appropriate direction and avoid excessive speed breakdown. I never think of that. Okay, right, you move into a hex with the enemy. You want to make sure your front armor is facing him and you don't have the moves. So you roll excessive speed breakdown to turn. Not necessary. Simply use the ability to change your vehicle covered arc at the end of any fire phase, which is still eligible to fire. That includes advancing fire phase. And this bit also on page 12. Many novice players seem unconcerned that a moving vehicle that ends its movement phase with movement point remaining is assumed to expend all those movement points in its present hacks. But since an ordnance weapon may defensive first fire at any target, at a target as many times as the number of movement points expended by the target. In that location, the enemy can claim several shots before the movement phase is over. So he's saying use the delay tactic, and I know, again, I've seen players do this to me, and I, I've, been, I've been working on it lately. The last, I'd say, half a year, I've started, a year maybe, I've been doing this. So count off delay points of movement before you come into the enemy line of sight. Just use that last point to get in there and stop. And he says, why movement itself may even prove a weapon of sorts. A fully tracked vehicle can remove a wire counter by successfully passing a bog check in that hex if the color die roll is a 1. And I, I did remember that in my game with um, Jeff at the ASL Open here. 
Still on page 12, he points out, when a small caliber gun of 15 to 40 millimeters scores a non-critical hit while rolling doubles, you get that two hits on the multiple hits table. Don't forget that little weapon. And he says, note that certain American armor-fighting vehicle with guns greater than 40 millimeter may also score multiple hits. It's signified by the armor-fighting vehicle's rate of fire printed on a white background. Now, that part I had forgotten the white background portion. And my last little highlight from um, this absolutely wonderful article, which probably was reprinted in, I don't know, Out of the Attics, but I, you know, haven't checked. Panzer Gegen Panzer by Bruce Bakken. His last thing that I highlighted, and there's plenty more in here, I'm sure, for players who are not me. <laughs> um, when using the vehicle target type, an original 2 is a critical hit, we know that, which doubles the basic kill number, we know that. But note that a critical hit versus a hull down target will always strike the turret. If only the lowest possible final hit die roll would yield a hit, a critical could still occur with a subsequent die roll of 1. But that the, um, for a while I know we played it where the originally the crits, we just scored them because it was so exciting. Then if, uh, someone told me if they're hauled down, that's a hull hit, and it's a miss. And then uh, this clarification, it must have been when this came out, we started playing it correctly. My uh, early ASL opponents. And going on here, we have Clash Along the Cell, some scenario, scenarios. Swan Song, Sicilian Midnight. For some reason, I remember, I remember that one. What's well, a deluxe game? There's an annual crossfire, Probing Lay Force by Robert Banozik and Mark Nixon. I had the honor of uh, seeing Robert again at the uh, ASL Open, having lunch with him and uh, Spilky and everybody. Very, very nice. I didn't take any notes from that article. The crossfire is where they kind of discuss what they will do in their opening turns and their setups. And... Then they respond to each other about, well, that doesn't seem smart, or this seems smarter, and I don't know why he did that. And then they counter-respond. So you could learn a lot there, too. Uh, Smith & Weston, the Rate Road, are more scenarios. We're in Annual 54 in this issue. The Finns are here in the Rat Road, Rate Road, in Finland, 1939. Then there's an article, Getting the Let Out, a Parable for ASL by Steve Paulusland. And I did, you know, I read I read the like first bit and then that kind of thing. I don't particularly like it. It's kind of like there's a historical article, and they use the terminology of the game. In the letters uh, signals section in this issue on page 27, I didn't highlight any letters this time. Uh, the cat has jumped, A55, ocean, beach. And uh, it's funny how your memory works. I remember being on a field trip and glancing through this uh, new annual. So must have been 93, and a couple of my buddies were starting to look at it. And, and we had a little discussion about the scenario, what it meant, what about the game. And neither of them started playing ASL as a result of that conversation, but... Anyway, Beating About the Bush, page 29, has an article, A Look at Bypass by Philippe Leonard. 
And in this article, I did highlight these uh, two paragraphs on page 30 that I thought, for me at least, were helpful. When going along a hill crest line while using bypass, don't forget you suffer the dreaded neg 2 dyro modifier even from a firer down on the lower level. There are indeed circumstances when the height advantage plus one does not apply. Look at the second figure again. He's got the figures in the in the in the um, examples here, and refer to rule B ten point thirty one. In this case, you suffer from being treated as being on the higher hill level without getting the advantages of it. The line of fire crosses the same hex side as your unit has. And I'm looking here. Second figure, well, you know, the, yeah, because you're bypassing, you think you're on the ground level, but you're not often, and you don't gain the height advantage from line of fire from the side you're bypassing on, if, even from a lower elevation unit. What about any residual firepower left in a hex you're bypassing? Well, once the residual counter is placed, it will affect all the units entering the hex, even if out of line of sight of the original firer who placed it. However, the in-hex TEM must be applied in all cases instead of the neg-2 dyro modifier for moving in the open. It's very important since the terrain protection will often render most low residual firepower quite useless. So as a defender, think twice as to where you decide to place a residual counter better in a woods hex than in a stone building, and if you've got the choice. And don't fire at the first half squad running the gamut in face of your defense. And his article has some fascinating diagrams of the odd vehicles with all these machine guns popping out of every angle. Like uh, the American LVT-4 and the British Deacon and other, other things showing how those things work and giving you a little like a quiz show if I remember. We have a good party as a scenario. 56, first bonsai, and then an article by Guy Cheney. What, where's Guy Cheney lately? Is he still playing ASL? Um, looking at scenario design, grace under fire. And I had read this covering scenario A58, Munda Mash. Uh, he does the advantages, disadvantages thing for both sides, talks about maybe possible strategies. A ASLA 59, Death at Carantan, and 60, ASL 60, Totsugeke. Uh, finally talking, wait, so he's talking about designing these scenarios as well as then advantages and disadvantages. So I like the article, didn't highlight anything in it. Uh, and then those scenarios appear near the end of the magazine. And you have on page 43 the illustrated and legible advanced sequence of play, which later became a chart and probably was expanded to become a chart. And a debriefing section, page 46, and the continuation of the comedy ASL counters the Iron Eagle, a new airborne unit for ASL. And it is the, holy cow, tank. <laughs> it's the tank glider thing that Jeff had shown us last episode has a uh, a glider that fits a small tank on it. They're using the, what is that, a T-60-something or other with a 20 L gun and 
really a little thing, and then they invented a glider counter for it. Isn't that odd? And when Jeff was talking about that article last show, I didn't even remember. I had just read about this Rex Martin article. And where's Rex Martin? We need to interview him also. So, folks, there you go. Annual 93A. Which, overall, I would say is more beneficial than the previous annuals in terms of helping your strategy and tactics in your game. So I'll wrap this episode up by myself and uh, be back again next show with more ASL Open interviews. So on behalf of Jeff and myself, roll low and rally well, but not when you're playing us. Bye-bye, everybody.